right, everybody, welcome to the Life Plus God podcast. I'm very excited that you are here with us today because we have a very special guest, Matthew Morris, who serves LASD and does the good work of uh, diversity, inclusion, and equity training and support Mm -hmm. in our community. And wow, we need that. We need that now more than ever. And uh, Matthew, I'm so excited that you're here with me to have this conversation. Um, But in our our worship uh, setting, we are doing a series called See What God Sees, where we're really challenging each other to think outside of ourselves, think outside of our own bias and our own narrative, and really do what the Bible told us to do of seeing other people the way God sees other people, which is with love and mercy and grace and uh, embrace and abundance and and all of these beautiful ways and uh, embracing how we're the same and how we're different and that God celebrates all of it. And so uh, as a part of that, coming up on February 20th, we're doing a workshop. It's a a cultural intelligence workshop, and we're just calling it the See What God Sees Workshop. Uh, And Matthew's going to lead that for us. So uh, I just wanted to have a little conversation with you and, and understand your background, what got you into this work, what sparked that passion for you. Uh, so would you mind telling us a little bit about your journey? Most definitely. I just have to start off, though, with a little bit of a disclaimer. Um, equity, diversity, and inclusion in 2021 and 2022 um, can sometimes seem like four-letter words. Mm-hmm. And so I really like how you introduced that and in saying that it's kind of a love work. Right. It's, it's part of our passion and, and who we are as human beings. Um, we get lost in those words and we forget the call that's placed in our lives. And so I don't see myself always as the EDI guy, but I see myself as the guy that is meant to be a reflection of. Right. The guy that is meant to walk with. And so that started off in uh, the small town of San Antonio, Texas. Um, That's my hometown. Um, So I'm Texan through and through. So I understand the culture. Um, And oddly, I'm probably a little bit more conservative than than people may believe. But I also believe that my call is to speak up for the least of these. Mm. And so no matter what my viewpoint is or where I stand, if there is someone who's been silenced and I have the mic, um, why am I not using it? Um, you, you literally have the mic today. I so know, you so stand great. up for the it's least so of great. these today. And I think that work kind of began um, in a more intentional way um, my senior year of college. Mm-hmm. And so my grandmother had passed away in January and um, our campus minister, I went to a, a United Methodist school. Um, and our campus minister came to me and was like, we want you to join our, our spring break for Christ. And I instantly looked at the man. I was like, I'm going through too much personal things. No, thank you. Um, but something said, you know what, just go. Um, and I was like, well, I don't want to go because last time that they went on spring break for Christ, they came back extra saved mm-hmm. and they were like laid out in the sprinklers. And I was like, I, I love them, but I don't know if I want to miss class because I'm trying to get my degree. And so I, I ended up going on that experience and it really transformed my life. Um, we were doing relief work for from Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans mm-hmm. and um, we were working on a house and there were too many people working on it. And so I stepped outside and an elderly lady across the street came out. And she was thanking us for helping our neighborhood because her house was the only house that was untouched. Oh, wow. 
Um, and so she started talking about God's grace and his mercy. But then in the midst of, I can see the destruction and the poverty that was there before the destruction. Um, and something came over me in that moment. I call it my mountaintop moment um, where I was like, you know what? We're going to raise money to pay off this woman's mortgage. She's been here struggling for a while. How do we walk with her? Um, and that's what we did. Went back and I led the charge to pay off. Her name was Miss Easter, which was mm. I thought fitting, <laughs> right? That's fantastic. We, we went on, went on, and and paid her mortgage. And it wasn't like a hey, look at me of what I'm doing for someone else, but how can we continue to walk with other people? And so in that moment too, I decided I wasn't going to graduate school, mm. right? I'm a first generation college student, but I told my parents, like big and tall, hey, I've done more than you did, and so I've done enough. And so that looked like you know what? What do I do? And I dedicated a year to national community service. And I worked through indirect service at the University of Texas at San Antonio in their inclusion and community engagement center. But it wasn't inclusion and diversity work as you would think. What year was that? This was uh, around 2008, 2009. Yeah, so I'm sure it looks very different than it does Very different, very different. I think there was a lot of work that was done with just creating cultures of belonging. But my role in the office was volunteer services. Right. When you think of that, my work was to get college age students involved in the community. Right. That's what EDI work looks like. Mm. It wasn't trying to change someone's viewpoint. It wasn't trying to just transform somebody's life and and make them more open or close minded. It was, you know what, I see you as a human being and we should walk together. And so I think it's that kind of that I look at it. And it's really noticing that my experience has been different. And so sometimes I throw out the, the big P word, privilege, mm-hmm. right? The word that makes us a lot really uncomfortable when we start talking about this work. But I also recognize that I had privilege because I didn't have the same experience as people who look like me, right? Although I may have been on free and reduced lunch, I had a, a roof over my head. I, had, I lived in the same room until I went off to college, Right, every need was always met. I never sh- knew that there was a struggle, um, and I wasn't always on free and reduced lunch. It's just something that happened. My dad yeah. got demoted at some point, but it was really just a matter of of recognizing that I was given more than enough. I think that's how I try to live my life. I was giving more than enough, and the question then is to God: God, what do I do? What will you have me to do with the access? Mm. Right, and then how to then transition to how do I put others first as I put you first. Well, and that's what, you know, talking about your experience with serving um, with Hurricane Katrina disaster relief, just to, and it would have been completely by accident then, but I I bet you do things more intentionally now, uh, to take a break from the work and step outside and build a relationship. because we talk about that all the time of it all starts with relationship. That's the way that you get away from the us versus them mentality is make a friend, build a connection, learn about another person. And then, uh, your struggles start to become their struggles and their struggles start to become your struggles and you're walking alongside, you're doing this with each other. And um, yeah, I really hope that the idea of uh, EDI work, wait, did I do that in the right order? Uh, It's depending on where you are. Some people (laughs) say you have to have equity before you have that. The, the, didn't you, before you can work on 
diversity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. Some people say, you know what, let's get everybody here first and have the diversity and then make things even. So there's different directions that people take. I think at at the end of it, it, it's still the same work. (laughs) Well, and and doing like, I like what you said of, for some people, it sounds like a four letter word Mm -hmm. because uh, we've all had these negative interactions and negative experiences and it comes from lack of relationship, lack of understanding, lack of openness to something new or different or admitting that you know something that I don't know. Um, And it's scary, vulnerable work. But even think about it, if if you are a believer, at one point in history, that was a four-letter word. Mm. To say that you choose to follow. Right. That's a, a four letter experience yeah, put to death. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so then look at it, look at it now and say, how does this work really align to my core beliefs? Yeah. Yeah. Beyond so, Sunday morning. Well, and I, I do want to ask you about the church experience, the Sunday morning mm-hmm. beyond. Yes, we are beyond Sunday morning, mm-hmm. but also we need to work on Sunday morning. True. Right. True. <laughs> so True. I, I want to hear your perspective on. Why does it matter that churches have these conversations um, about equity, diversity, inclusion, admitting that we have privilege, admitting, you know, and and having, talking about our biases, all of these things. um, Why does it matter? It matters because our world is broken. Mm. Our world is broken and we have to think about... um, how the light of Christ can shine through us, right? It's dark, it's broken. Um, how do we start to remove some of the dark places? Um, how do we kind of commit together, right? And search out and seek the light that is God's love. What does that really look like? And for me, that looks like Matthew 5, 12 to 17. I don't memorize scripture, so you're going to have to you know, quote I, that I, for I, me. I don't, I don't either. I had to write <laughs> it down. So I'm looking at little notes. But um, Matthew 5, 12 through 17 says, you are, the light, you are the salt of the earth, but the salt has lost its savor. Wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel but on a candlestick, and it gives light unto all that are in the house. And this is the favorite part, verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. And I think that's, that's the work, right? We're supposed to be salt and light, mm-hmm. right? No matter what your belief system is, right? No matter what happens inside of your home, right? When we leave our homes, we are reflection, of Christ, and we are salt and light. So one of the things that, um, it all sounds wonderful, right? Mm-hmm. It, But it's hard. It's really hard work. And we there is so much uh, infighting and disagreement within the church, how this work should be done. Um, and not just, you know, Across all topics, across mm-hmm. race, across identity, across gender, mm-hmm. uh, sexuality, 
just economy, economic status of how we can better connect with each other and, and who are we helping and, uh, well, we want to make sure nobody's taking advantage of the system or, you know, all of these things. There is so much infighting around how we do this work. So what message do you have someone who's feeling fatigued mm. by that, uh, who they're trying to have these conversations. They're trying to educate themselves and uh, attending things like this workshop that we have coming up, but the work is so heavy. Um, what do you what do you say to someone who's feeling that weight? Um, stay the course. Yeah. Um, think about when you're in Sunday morning, um, especially around um, Easter season. We think about the weight of the cross. Right. And so think about the weight of the world, like stay the course. It's OK. It's going to be uncomfortable. Right. We have count all things joy. Right. We know we're not promised just good days. Right. And so it is going to be hard, but we can't forget um, the call that's been placed in our lives. We can't forget that, you know what, if I struggle for the good of them, for the least of these, then my struggle is not in vain. Right. And so it I think for us, a lot of our walks have been probably too easy. Right. And and it's hard to say that and accept that, that, you know what, this is too easy. And I'm not saying go out there and seek out the most crazy thing so that you are just persecuted until to a point where you lose your life. But at the same time, it, you have to stay with it. Yeah. I mean, I'll admit, yeah, I like, I like to feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. Like we all like to feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. And, um, I have talked about, you know, on this podcast that, yeah, I've led a pretty charmed life. Like a lot of Same. people would look at my life and be like, oh, you've had everything handed to you. And you know what? I have, like mm -hmm. I have had so much just handed to me. And, um, you know, I've, I've read a lot about, uh, people feeling guilt or shame around that or wanting to fight it and say, no, I've worked. I've worked so hard for everything that I've been given and immediately going to that place of defensiveness. And I used to do that. Like mm -hmm. I, cause you don't want to think that you didn't earn what you've been given, mm -hmm. but that's exactly what our faith tells us is that you can't earn what you've been given, right? <laughs> or that like it, the mercy comes free, the grace comes free. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that you can do or not do uh, to earn that. And so I think if the if we were to take uh, that faith conversation and and what we claim we believe seriously, then maybe we would better understand. Like, yes, so much has been given to us mm -hmm. and saying like I truly believe that no matter what you were born into it wasn't your choice yeah. right and do you have your own personal struggles yes right but it's also recognizing that other people have their struggles too and, and it's doing life with other people and life gets messy mm. right think about the things that happen in our homes like life gets messy I don't care how clean you are life gets messy and then we're saying you know what I'm going to be messy with other people. Then I'm going to be messy with people who may not have certain similar characteristics as me. Yeah. But if we look at the person who was the model, who was he hanging out with? Yeah. 
Yeah. I love that getting messy with other people because we love to pretend like we have it all together, don't we? Like we love to pretend like I understand, I know how this life thing works. Like I'm going to show the shiniest, most polished version of myself every Sunday. And people ask me how I'm doing and say, I'm blessed, you know, (laughs) all of this, all of this that we put out there. Um, But a willingness to get messy with other people and say, I don't get it. Mm -hmm. I don't have it all together. I don't always know the right way to move forward. And, um, it's funny because, uh, with inclusion and, and diversity, um, I've actually been leaning a lot lately uh, as a resource TikTok. I don't know <laughs> if you're on TikTok. I know, I know. So like I, and there are definitely like negative paths you can right. go down TikTok. Like I'm not saying everybody get on TikTok, but I have stumbled across like activist TikTok and it talking about like social justice and racial justice and uh, queer identity justice and, and all of these beautiful conversations and everybody has has a different opinion on what is the best way for us to progress? What is the best way for us to move forward? And the truth is nobody has the right answer, but it's so nourishing to see everybody trying. And it is a really good feeling. And it makes me feel not so alone that Mm -hmm. like, okay, everyone has differing opinions. Nobody knows, you know, the next absolute right step, but we're all just like rolling around in this messiness together and trying to figure it out. Um, yeah, I think that there's something, uh, innately Christian about that. Yeah. It's definitely (laughs) like nobody knows the answer, but we do have a playbook. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's just, okay, how do we interpret that playbook and where we are? Yeah. Today. So, so you've mentioned like you've experienced privilege and a lot of things, you know, that you had to kind of have that moment of like coming to terms with yourself and, and recognizing your own story. What does it look like? Because it's, it sounds like you've done this work or you're in the process of doing this work. What does it look like to non-judgmentally observe your own biases? Mm. I think, one, it's to believe that you're in a continuous improvement cycle, right? It, it is a cycle. We, we don't reach perfection while we're still on this earth, right? So it's continuously improving, and, and no day is going to be perfect. Um, for me, though, it really looks like um, the, three, the three T's. It's trust, truth, and transparency. And I think the hardest one of those is transparency. Yeah. Right. To be vulnerable um, with yourself is a really hard thing because there are a lot of things that we just don't unpack. Mm-hmm. Right. And to trust fully, be it um, in your in your faith, to trust fully in your community, to trust fully in yourself um, and knowing, OK, what is the truth? Not the truth that I want to hear. Right. But what is the truth? How do I trust the truth? And be transparent with how, where am I at in my journey with the truth? Um, a lot of times for those of us who may have been um, in the community for 20 years, we can't tell everyone that, hey, I, I've never read that chapter that Matthew referred to earlier. 
because people assume I have. Mm -hmm. But it's okay to be transparent and say, this is where I am in my journey. Yeah. Truth, transparency, trust. I have a question I don't know if you'll have the answer to <laughs> because I <laughs> I go. definitely don't have an answer. How did, how do I get out of my own way to be able to be transparent with myself? Yeah. That's that that's that one-on-one relationship, I think, when speaking in this context. Yeah. Right. That's that that's how you get out of your own way because you should not be the one leading your life. For those listening, he pointed to the heavens on that one. (laughs) How can we have better conversations about these topics in our sphere of influence in a productive way? And I'm at, this is a personal question for me because I don't know if you've noticed this about me or not, but I'm a, I'm a pretty uh, hard hitting person. I, yeah, (laughs) I, I have not been described as soft spoken. Mm. Uh, and I think that my, uh, my style of communication is imperatives and I, I want to be able to have these conversations with uh, my friends and my family and, you know, people in my sphere without them feeling like they're being attacked by me. Um, Do you have any advice for having those productive conversations? Sure thing. You just did one of the one of the key things when we were speaking just now. You used the I statements. Mm. You said, I want I believe, right? So that's you taking the ownership, right? And instead of, because, you know, we all cringe when you say you people, Mm. you all, or you put someone in a specific group, right? Those I statements are key. But um, I am a firm believer. I'm not endorsing them fully, but I'm a firm believer in the four agreements for courageous conversations, Mm. right? Agreement number one is to stay engaged, Uh, Number two is expect and experience discomfort. I personally have this saying of we need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, The third agreement is to speak your truth. I spoke to that earlier. And then the fourth one is to expect and accept non-closure. Ooh. Right? Say it again, please. Expect and accept non-closure. And I think that's the hardest thing. We want to have a 20-minute conversation and be like, None, we fixed it. Right? Yeah. It's black, it's white, it's cut and dry. Yeah. That's not the case. Yeah. What we used the word messy earlier. We can say, hey, you know what? I'm starting to feel uncomfortable right now. Even though I expected discomfort, can we push pause? Yeah. And can we come back? Because I want to gather myself. The key is coming back. Yeah. I love that. I love um non-closure. Because honestly, um, for me, that is also a part of my faith life of like embracing the mystery is a Mm -hmm. part of it of like, you're never going to have all of the answers. And it's like what you said earlier of our lives. We are not on this journey to get to an end point. It Mm -hmm. is an ever evolving journey to uh, self-awareness and getting, trying to get to Christ's perfection, and we won't achieve it 
while we're here, but we're just trying to do a little bit better Mm -hmm. each time. And I think that if we're expecting that with every interaction, there's going to be closure or, um, on point number three, I also love what you said is, uh, own your truth or, mm-hmm. or speak your mm-hmm. truth, the emphasis being your truth. Right. Right. And so, um, understanding that my story is not your story. And if your story and my story aren't seeing the same, uh, construct, that doesn't mean someone's right and someone's wrong. Right. <laughs> You're like, yes, you're telling me things I already know. I I love it. I love that you're (laughs) saying that and going there because, like, that's what I love about Texas. Mm. So I went to graduate school in New York City, right? But what I love about Texas is that people will speak their truth, right, through a yard sign, through a conversation, whatever it may be. And that makes me feel safer, Mm. right? And And some people would be like, how do you feel safe going into this place and there is this symbol, that says it's not safe for you because now I know mm-hmm. it's not hidden. Yeah, it's not. And so covert. I think that's that's a pride yeah. that we have in Texas. We're going to tell you our truth we and tell so, you how it is. And it's okay to do that in the community. Yeah. But the problem is when we say my truth should also be your truth, and it's the only truth. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So I think that that's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I love that. Could I'm sorry. Will you repeat those four points for me one more time? Sure. I'll probably cut this, but I just want to hear it again personally. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to stay engaged. You're going to expect to experience discomfort. Yeah. Right? You speak your truth. You're not just going to say what you think others want to hear. Um, and you're going to expect and accept non-closure. I love that. I want to have that list like on my bathroom mirror of like approach every day in this way. That's it. Yeah. Fantastic. Man, I asked for advice and you give me advice. <laughs> you give me good advice. You talked about when, when I kind of offhandedly said EDI, I don't know if that's in the right order. You were like, you know what? We don't know. Like some people say equity comes first. Some people say diversity comes first. Some people say inclusion comes first. Um, How can we provide a more embracing, Mm -hmm. open environment? Um, Because I feel like we've been trying and we're just, we're missing something. I think one thing is that allowing an outsider to give honest feedback and to really sit and hear it. Right. To, to feel their experience. That's not what I had in my notes, but that, that's just what came to me just now. I think one thing that we need to look at here in this community is although we may look homogenous, there is a lot of diversity in thought. Mm, that's very true. Right. And we need to ask ourselves the question, whose voice is not being heard? Who are we not highlighting and speaking up? Right. And it might not it might be, okay, yes, we all are have the same median income, but someone has it from their trust fund, someone else has it from being a single parent, somebody else has it from winning the lottery, right? Mm-hmm. That we've all gotten there through different paths. Someone else is working three jobs. Right. Yeah. Right. And so looking at, you know what, there is diversity in who we already have. Mm. There's also a need probably to begin to have conversations with someone on the other pew because I know in my experience you usually sit in the same area 
you talk to you have your assigned seating on you have your unofficial <laughs> assigned seating and and you talk to your friends and it could be hey john over there i haven't spoken to in five years maybe next sunday you t- chat with john or go to coffee you go for on an ice cream date right you do those things within your your community with the people like that you haven't really talked to here because that creates a safe space and the reason I think a lot of organizations struggle with um, bringing in other people, right, is that we don't know how to create a culture of belonging because we don't belong with each other before we begin, mm. right? So at the same point of how could I open my home, right? Say I want to get a foreign exchange student if my family is not on the same wavelength. Mm-hmm. It's going to take the same thing as your, your church being an extension of the family. Mm. And so what does it really look like? Are we really truly in doing life with each other here? Right? Or are we in our pockets? The worship team talks to just the worship team. Right? And it might be because y'all are up here all the time and spending a lot of time together. Like, I get it, but how do the worship team and the greeters mix it up? Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's Have where Have you, you worked start. at a church before? I mean... <laughs> Because you know a little too much. Uh, that <laughs> I'm I'm on the worship team and I'm like, oh man, I think we do that. And it's unintentional. That's the thing, yeah. though. It's unintentional, and that's that's what um, this work is. Is how do we begin to be intentional? Mm-hmm. Right. It also could be like you know what, because our church is a a, a part of a larger network. Maybe I do the thing, I gas up the car, and I go 30 minutes away to a church in Fort Worth. It may, everyone may look like me, but their worship experience may be different. And really saying, what does it feel like for me to be the outsider coming in? Mm-hmm. A church, I, I would, you know, a church that is a different faith background, different traditions, different denomination, maybe even a different religion. To come in and know absolutely nothing and be truly. But for some people, that's yeah. a huge ass. So maybe it's just another United Methodist church. Yeah. Where, right? I'm, where I'm not known by everybody when right. I walk in the door. Maybe yeah. it's, it's the one on R.L. Thor- Thornton. Yeah. Right? Maybe it's the one in a different side of town. But don't leave because we need you here, right? <laughs> don't 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 get too excited. You don't have no. You don't have to do that. This <laughs> this podcast excited. is not an advertisement for you to come to treat. We are happy for everybody to be oh. connected wherever their faith will grow. Uh, this is not a recruiting tool. Um, so I'm putting you on the spot here. This is not a question I sent you in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, So you've been doing, like, it is so unusual, and I'm hoping it's going to become more common Mm -hmm. for people to be working in diversity, inclusion, and equity. Um, I hope that that will become a growing career choice for people, but I'm just wondering, um, are there any stories of transformation that you've seen while doing this work that you'd like to share with us just to have a little positivity in the mix. I mean, there, there have been small pockets um, of adults who have been resistant um, to beginning to form relationship with people who didn't look like them. I think the greatest hope, though, for me comes with working with younger students 
right? Going to a a third grade class and having a kid who had did something that was probably not cool, right? And to say, you know what? I don't want to be called the R word because that's not who I am. Like, what is the R word? Because back in my day, the R word was something else. What mm-hmm. is the R word? And he was like, racist. Oh, I didn't. I thought the mm-hmm. R word. Mm-hmm. I think we're the same generation because I was thinking of a different R yes, word as well. He said, he said racist. And I was like, wow. For, for me, I'm like, oh, this is a, a generational change. Yeah. And But for for him to have a conversation with somebody who didn't look like him at all. Right to be him, him to be a part of a mostly homogenous community of people who look like him, but to have an experience where some of the things, if he was an adult, would get him canceled, yeah. right? Um, for him to have that honest conversation, I think that was probably one of the most powerful experiences um, that I've had to date. Because um, you think a lot of times with me coming into this space, um, you think, oh well, sometimes you're the black person to do the black things. Um, and that's not the case. I am the person to do the people things. And it really is. I'm just here to ask the question mm-hmm. and to say that you are not alone in this walk. Yeah. And you're not going to have a problem with third graders speaking their truth. Mm-mm. 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 <laughs> not at all. They will speak their truth even if you're not ready to hear right. it. Right, right. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I had no idea that you got to work with elementary age and everything. I guess I had in my mind that these conversations don't even begin until middle school, high school, but that's not true. And Mm-mm. and we they should begin earlier. Right. And I think about um and I say that because I didn't start having these conversations till I was in high school or college, but man, it- and for me, it's not been a, I'm initiating the conversation. Yeah. There's been an experience, right, that, that is, has happened, and it's working with that family, mm-hmm. trusting that family, right, working with the, that campus community, trusting that campus community, and just being someone else as a sounding board. Yeah, but when we were kids, those exact same experiences were happening, and we had nobody to talk to us right. about it. right. And to, you know, have that conversation of like, hey, you know, let's stop and think about what just happened here. Mm-hmm. Everyone just moved on with their lives. Right. And I'm just here to listen. Yeah. That's the thing, though. Like, like people say, oh, here comes the EDI guy. He's here to, to shake it up. and I, Shake a finger at me. I'm, I'm yeah. not. It's, it's, that's not the case. It's like, you know what? I, I know there's a lot of times situations where I don't feel heard. No matter if you're the person, which end of the of the situation you're on, maybe the person who received or the person who gave, like it, it doesn't matter. You still have value and you need to be heard, hmm. no matter what your viewpoint is. So I brought up TikTok. I don't know if it's a, a fair resource to throw mm-hmm. out there, but I was just curious. I know you have this look on your face like, no, I mean, I'd stop fine. recommending TikTok. I have to deal with that in the schools all the time. Um, but what are some of your favorite resources for like ongoing education and just first steps? Cause I think people just get overwhelmed of like, how do I start? Like, where do I start? I think one, you identify, um, someone that is doing the work, um, be it privately or publicly like I am, and maybe just deciding to have a conversation or build a relationship. 
that that's where you start. The the resource, the greatest resource I think we have on this earth are other people. Right? Um, I could list off a whole bunch of books. I could list off podcasts. Well, and we can and, we can post all of those things, things that you want to share. But I do know that even um, the United Methodist Church is doing some things. Yeah. Right? And and I think that's also a resource because that would also look at how do I align this to my faith walk um, and unpacking that in a comfortable and safe space. And so that's where I would start. One, with, with people, and then also within the resources that are provided to me. Um, through the church network, through our larger church network mm-hmm. as well. Um, it's It may be of supporting um, institutions because, I, like I said, I went to a, a college that was affiliated with the United Methodist Church. I didn't grow up, grow up in the United Methodist Church, but I went to a college affiliating with that church, with the church, and seeing, you know what, um, how can I support them in their efforts, right? And so there, yes, you have SMU down the street, but if you go down to Austin, you have Houston Tulsa University, mm-hmm. right? And so you have all these other places. And so it's like, okay, you still, clearly your university's values reflect some of the values that I get on Sunday morning. How do we partner together, even if we're not in the same city? Any um, parting thoughts? Anything that you prepared to share that you did not get to share today? Um, not, I think. I think the biggest thing is, is don't get lost in the language and the, and, and the linguistics. Because, mm. um, yeah, sometimes it shuts that, us down. It shuts you down very quickly. And then also just keep a constant prayer circle for your heart, right? Um, and thinking about does my heart really need to change um, in, in these certain areas? Um, and for everybody, it could be different. Mm. Or am I comfortable with a hardened heart? Right? My prayer every day is, Lord, let, let me not have a hardened heart. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in the world that we live in. Yeah, I think that's an excellent prayer because I do think I, every now and then, when I get so frustrated and so overwhelmed, you can feel it. Like you can feel yourself starting to close off and your heart starting to harden. And it's it feels so terrible. Like right. it is, uh, it's, it brings nothing but, sadness uh, when you experience that. So I think that that's an excellent prayer for us. It's just every day asking, you know, please don't harden my heart and keep me open. And and don't be swift on making the decision based in your head. Right. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I'm going to tell people one simple thing you can do to get started and get a whole bunch of resources is joining us on February 20th for the See What God Sees workshop. So obviously, Matthew has a lot of wisdom to share. And um, if you are a person who is afraid of being triggered by these conversations and it sounds like that's welcome. Bring your truth. That's what I want you there first. Yeah. Bring your truth. Right. and your experiences um, and don't be afraid of who's going to be there and who's not going to be there and how am I going to be perceived and all of these things like let's have a family conversation here let's do it and you can sign up for that at tmumc.org slash workshop but uh, Matthew thank you so much for joining me and um, I'm, I'm so excited to start this work as a church and have a continued relationship with you indeed I'm excited to walk together